Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer's Speaks Resource website, blog, and radio. My passion is to educate the world about Alzheimer's and memory loss, and that came to me through my mother's 30-year journey with dementia. For those of you that are new to our show, I just want to give you a brief introduction about us um, so you know us a little bit better. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with dementia and memory loss along with their care partners and empower them to all live purpose-filled lives. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real everyday life stories of living with dementia. Rick Phelps is our channel expert who actually has all the I never know if this was part of our show or not, but if so, I can go ahead and talk about memory of my school concept, but I highly recommend it. All you have to do is remember patients such memory and um, go to the main group go to the main uh, I want to also mention that on our home page, you can while we're on, on live today, you can actually join the conversation. If you're listening via your computer, you can use your chat box. And if you've called in um, to this 714-364-4757 number, all you have to do is push 1, and then you can join the conversation. You'll go into my waiting room, and then when we kind of have a break um, in the dialogue, I'll go ahead and pull you in. We, would, we know the topic today is uh, very important to many and touches um, so many of us on a variety of levels. So I would love for you to be, to be part of that and join us. Also, I always ask our audience, if you'd be so kind, if you enjoy the show today, if you would like us and tweet us, this is not a show um, about me um, or Alzheimer's um, specific. This is a show that affects us as a society. This is about dementia and memory loss. This is about our culture of care. And so we ask that you join in in helping us spread the word that we're here because we want to raise awareness and let others know what services, products, and tools are available when they step into this journey. Today we have Matt Durrell with us, and he is the founder and CEO of Keeping Us Safe. And he currently lectures throughout the United States on topics related to aging um, and its adverse effects on driving skills. As the founder in a space, Matt's mission is to provide strategies and guidance to seniors that will help them continue to drive safely until the decision is made to retire from their driving career. And I love how he puts the driving career. Um, he provides an excellent array of services and resources for both families and professionals as they deal with this really, truly sensitive issue. 
Matt retired from a very distinguished and successful career of 24 years as Assistant um, District Commander with the Ohio State Highway Patrol in the spring of 2005. And after leaving the patrol, um, he participated um, in a tremendous amounts of work in the area of older driving research, best practices, current vehicle safety technology, and adaptive equipment. Matt's creative, innovative, and common sense approach combined with his uncanny ability to bring calm and resolve to stressful situations without jeopardizing the dignity of others has contributed greatly to the success of his company, TGNS Space, and the programs they offer. When asked what was the ultimate motivation for him to start his company, Matt says, there was never one particular event. It was the result of 20-plus years of holding dying people in my arms at terrible car accidents and delivering dozens and dozens of death notifications to families. I would much rather work with families to bring a peaceful resolve to this sensitive and uncomfortable issue now than to ever have to deal with it as a state trooper um, having them come knock on your door. And how beautifully stated. And, and welcome to the show, Matt. I'm just, I'm just so excited to have you here. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Lori. I'm very happy to be here. Great. I, I love your attitude of being proactive and how this has touched your life multiple times um, throughout your career and what you have decided to do about that better the world for all of us. Um, I just find it absolutely um, amazing, and I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing the work that you're doing because it's very highly needed. We, we are constantly seeing articles, you know, in the newspaper and, and things on the radio and on TV about driving issues, and so I sure. think this is a, a great platform that you bring, bring forth into the world. Um, before we dive into a little bit more on your company, I always like to ask, have you personally been touched um, with the friends or family as far as dementia? Um, within my own family, probably not, Lori, I guess, now that you asked that question that way. But um, certainly from a professional point of view, I've been involved in many, many family um, issues involving dementia. Um, Alzheimer's, and, of, of course, as they center around this whole driving issue. Okay. And it, it makes absolutely no difference one way or the other. I always just like to ask that question. And the, the thing is, you have been touched by this disease, and you see the impact um, that it can have, but it's broader than just dementia in terms of driving safely. It, it impacts all of us. So if you can share um, a little bit about your passion to help those with dementia, and um, what brought you, you know, out um, out to reach, you know, the individuals and the families as a whole? I'd love to talk about that, Lori. Um, as you mentioned, I was an Ohio State trooper for 24 years, 20-plus 20 years, and uh, during that time, I did dozens of, just as you described, death notifications, meaning happened to go to someone's house at... 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. and explaining that some family member had just been killed in a car accident. 
And that could be explaining to a husband that his wife just died or explaining to a husband and wife that their child just died or that their grandparents just died or, uh, in some cases, multiple family members uh, had been killed in a single car crash. So every time, you can imagine how horrible an experience that is for the family. So every time, as I walked back to my highway patrol car, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if there were somehow something we could do that was a little bit more proactive, uh, because so much of law enforcement is reactive, if, if we could develop something a little more proactive to try to help keep these tragedies from happening in the first place. So uh, from that, Keeping Us Safe was born, uh, which is the name of my company. And Keeping Us Safe does nothing but work with older drivers, uh, their families, and professionals that might have occasion to work with either older drivers and or their families. Um, we don't have drinking and driving programs. We don't have safety belt programs. It's all that the entire array of services that we offer is dedicated strictly to older drivers and their families. So uh, that is the that is the passion of why I started this company. The real purpose was because um, as a law enforcement officer, I saw that as a society, we really don't know how to address the issue of older drivers with diminishing skills. Um, physicians oftentimes do not want to become involved in that whole topic for a, a whole litany of reasons. Um, courts, when when you have an older driver that's been involved in, a, in an accident and is cited in the court, the, uh, the judge or the magistrate is governed by sentencing guidelines. So there's only so much that a court jurisdiction can do with a uh, with an older driver. Um, legislators are very slow to pass new legislation um, restricting or, or making tougher older driver testing standards. And there's all sorts of reasons for that as well. Uh, one is, and, and a big one is, just simply the cost of doing something like that. Can you imagine the expense of having to retest drivers every two, three, four, five years after it, after they reach the age of 70 or 75. You know, we're talking about, in Ohio, where I'm from, uh, communities are laying off police officers and firefighters. So to even think of adding the expense of retesting uh, older drivers is, is probably not practical at this time. And there's all sorts of other reasons. So the point being, the purpose of this company was to is to try to help fill that void so that now families do have a place to turn when they are concerned about my mother or a father or a loved one's driving ability as it relates to the aging process. Wonderful. Um, I, again, I, I just think this is so great. And like you said, with the budget cuts hitting um, from every which way, I mean, we have to take some personal responsibilities as as individuals, as families, as community in joining forces together on this. Now, most of us have a feeling, you know, when we think maybe our parents are having a little bit of trouble with their driving or, you know, and, and it's, it's ourselves um, who is feeling there's a little bit of something going on here and I'm not quite sure um, what to do. Can you tell us, you know, how do, how do people approach this topic? If you, and let's start out with if someone, you know, if it is your parent or a friend, um, can you give us some advice, share some tips on, how to prepare uh, for that conversation? 
Lori, I think one of the most important things is not to create an environment, an adversarial environment. It should not be we children think you, mom, need to retire from driving or give up driving or um, anything like that. It needs to be a team effort. And it needs, when you're talking about a family, it needs to be all of the adult children coming together and presenting themselves and their concerns to, to their loved one together, singing from the same sheet of music, so to speak. I oftentimes uh, hear stories where one adult child thinks mother is still a great driver, one adult child thinks mother should never drive again. So, number one, they are at war, so to speak, with each other. But number two, when they speak to the older driver, the mother, um, you know, she's she's torn now. She's uh, She's got one person telling her one extreme and one person telling her the other. And obviously she's going to make the decision that errors in her favor, saying that I will continue to drive because my daughter so-and-so tells me she thinks it's safe for me to drive. So the family needs to come together and be united. Whether they whether they are or not in real life is kind of irrelevant. But when they talk to the older driver, they need to all be on the same sheet of music, or this whole conversation is not going to go well. Um, another tip, Lori, is to make sure that you are presenting your loved one with specific facts. Don't go to a parent and expect good results when you explain to them that, Dad, you're just not a good driver anymore or, Dad, you're going to hurt someone. The, to- the, the topic needs to be, Dad, I'm concerned because you didn't stop for the stop sign um, at, at Maple and Elm Streets, or I'm concerned because you were driving so slow that people were, you were going to cause an accident because of that, or I be- became concerned, Dad, because you backed over our mailbox, which has been there for 40-some years. You never had a problem before, but today you backed over the mailbox. You know, maybe we need to look into this driving issue a little deeper. But by not presenting the facts and and going with just strictly emotion and speculation and opinion, is you're not going to get the uh, successful outcome that you're hoping for. I get calls from people, Lori, from one part of the country saying, I'm concerned about my mother's driving who lives in a different part of the country. And, of course, my next question is, why, why are you concerned? Well, she just turned... 80. And, you know, I, I ask again, what you know, what are your specific concerns about your 80-year-old mother's driving? Well, I just told you she turned 80. So some families have this preconceived notion that when, a, when an individual reaches a certain age, that it's all of a sudden um, time to retire from driving. And that is never true. I've done some, uh, met with some older drivers and their families. One in particular was a gentleman that was 91 years old. And frankly, Laurie, I would have gotten in the car. I did get in the car with him, but I would uh-huh. continue to ride with him. He could drive me wherever he wants to drive me. And at the same time, I've been in vehicles with drivers that were 55 or 60 years old, and because of Alzheimer's or, or dementia, um, they should not be driving. So age, even though there is a direct correlation, Laurie, between age and safe driving abilities, um, age in and of itself is, is not the should not be a factor. It needs to be based on facts. I I think that is such an important thing, and I I think it's normal for us as children to get nervous about that um, because we hear of these horror stories. But, uh, again, to be factual, um, because none of us would want somebody coming in and saying, okay, you've reached this age or you've reached this weight or your hair color is now this, 
you know, now you disqualify. Um, you know, so what what are the specifics? What about a person who um, is starting to see some differences for themselves? Uh, I think that there's a lot of drivers out there that know that their skill levels have changed, um, but they really, you know, they think, oh, I'm just going down the block to the little store, um, or I'm just driving to church. You know, I've, I've done this a, a million times. I really don't drive. I mean, I've heard people say that. I really don't drive, but they get behind the wheel knowing that things have changed. Um, what should they be doing? Lori, we have. I'm sorry. They're they're just afraid to lose their independence, and I I totally understand sure. that. I don't like to go, you know, leave my car for an oil change. So <laughs> I'm gonna be sure. I'm gonna be a problem child when it comes to this. I think. Um, Lori, Keeping Us Safe has a presentation for older drivers, groups of older drivers, oftentimes delivered at senior centers or any type of venue where there's a congregation of older drivers. And, and the name of that program is A Safe Drive Through the Aging Process. And it's just a one-hour program, but what we try to do is empower the older driver to realize that as long as they stay aware of diminishing skills and make appropriate adjustments in their driving behaviors, they can remain a safer driver for longer. So what that means is, it's great. Like you said, an older driver oftentimes will recognize that, hey, I'm starting to lose some of these skills. That's great to hear, to be honest with you, because as long as they make appropriate adjustments in their driving, they can continue driving. The most common example of that is nighttime driving. When I talk to groups of older drivers, I ask them, who in, who in the room here has given up some piece of their driving? And, and the most common one is, I'll see hands, and and we'll call on that person, and it's I, I don't drive at night any longer because my eyesight's not what it used to be. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. That you know, In my opinion, those people are heroes because they recognize the diminishing, diminishment in their driving skills, and they made appropriate just adjustments because of it. And because of that, they will remain a safer driver for longer. It does, this whole driving thing doesn't have to be an all-or-nothing um, type of proposal. It, uh, if, if there's something causing the older driver problems, and there's an infinitely long list of things of what that could be, but as long as they make adjustments, they can continue driving for a longer period of time. Okay, well, that's, that's so, good to know, because I think most of us look at it as a black and white proposal. Yes or no, in or out, up or down, keys or no keys. And so um, I, I think that's very eye-opening. It, it is for me, at least, um, with that process. Um, and I and I think it is great when people make adjustments on their own because, again, then they're feeling much more in control. And I would imagine a lot of the issues that come out of this is because of people feeling out of control and not wanting to be dependent on others. Um, would Absolutely. You say that that's Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But l but let me say something, Lori. From since day one of keeping us safe's um, origin, it, one of the pillars of our belief system is that a loss of driving should not mean a loss of independence. At at worst case scenario, it might mean, and it probably will mean, a loss of convenience. 
And when we've got a program, a self-assessment program that is just for older drivers and their families. It's an individual counseling session, basically. But in that time, we talk about uh, taking steps to ensure that the older driver does not lose their independence because that is so critical to all of us. Like you said, um, it might be an extreme, but you mentioned you don't even like leaving your car for an oil change, and I certainly can't understand that. And I'm sure an older driver can understand that as well. And remember, too, Lori, a lot of these older drivers that we meet with and, and whom we're talking about today have driven for 50, 60, 70 years without so much as a, a minor traffic accident or a traffic citation. So um, for anybody to suggest to them that maybe it's time to retire from driving, that's probably going to be a tough sell. And that, again, uh, not not to re-raise this issue, but that, again, is why the facts are so important. Going to an older driver that's driven successfully for 70 years and saying, Dad, I think you need to retire from driving probably won't be extremely well received unless it's supported by facts. Yes. How... Um, Lori, I'm sorry, go ahead. Can I tell you a short story about the independence? I... I did a self-assessment with um, Evelyn. Evelyn was 86 years old, and when I was introduced to her, Evelyn's very first words out of her mouth to me were, I do not like you. You're here to take my, my driving and my independence from me. And she was very, very serious. There was no crack of a smile, and there was no hint that um, it was just her way of breaking the ice. Uh, she was very sincere. She did not like me. She didn't like what, what, what we were going to do, and she didn't like, she felt that uh, her independence was being threatened, as probably I would feel as well. But during that three-hour self-assessment time, it was just, the way we do these is, it was just myself and Evelyn, or myself and any older driver, um, in the confines of her home, that's where she's the most comfortable, and at her kitchen table. In fact, we say the self-assessment is designed to be done at the individual's kitchen table. But... Uh, and we, Evelyn and I went through this three-hour process. We did a whole litany of little ex tabletop-type exercises, and then we actually did a driving exercise. And frankly, e Evelyn didn't perform real well on it. And uh, at, toward the end of our time together, we were talking about that and reviewing everything that had taken place. And Evelyn now is crying, and she says to me, "This is." she said, I know I probably need to retire from driving. I know that day is here, and you've—I knew that anyhow. But you've helped reinforce that thought um, back to me. But she said, "This is the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with in my life, other than the passing of my husband, which was just a year earlier." And again, she's crying, and uh, you know, I was very empathetic to what she was saying. She lived alone. She still lived in the community, and she told me, "I'm afraid." to give up driving because of the independence issue. She said, I'm afraid I will become isolated in my own home. I'll eventually become depressed. She kind of had this laid out in her head. And she said, depression will lead to physical ailments, and then eventually this will resolve in my death. She said, that's why I'm so scared to lose my independence. I don't want to go home and rot, so to speak. But let me tell you something. Evelyn and I work together. And three months later, she called me, and uh, she said, Matt, let me tell you something. I am busier now than I ever have been in my adult life. She said, since <laughs> I gave up driving, people have come from 
every walk of life. Oh, they've come from church. They've come from my neighbors. They've come from relatives I didn't know I had. They came from everywhere to offer to either involve me in their social activities or to even just drive me and bring me back home from mine. She said, I'm to the point now where I actually have to turn down social events because I can't keep up with them. So here was a person that was convinced that giving up driving was going to lead to her demise, and it's actually done the exact opposite for her. And that doesn't um, surprise me at all. When I worked in the senior housing um, market, it was kind of the same thing. People didn't want to give up their house. They didn't want to give up their independence and this great life that they had. And what they didn't realize was how shut in they had become. And, you know, the social aspect is geared up big time for them. And um, their life really blossoms. It would almost be nice, and and I think this is a stretch a lot of people would say, but if we could change our culture in terms of almost having, you know, we have retirement parties when we leave work and stuff, but if we had a retirement party in celebration of life, that we're we're choosing not to drive um, because we're choosing to live, both for ourselves and for others, and not be embarrassed about talking about it and bringing in your community, your family, your friends, and letting them know because people want to help. I mean, instinctively, people want to be needed and and loved and cared for and have purpose. And giving somebody a ride um, can be a really joyful experience uh, for somebody. But we disallow that when we don't talk about it um, because we're embarrassed about it. And this isn't anything anyone should be embarrassed about. This is, you know, this is part of growing up and life. I mean, that's how I feel anyways. Lori, we're careful to uh, ensure that the older drivers that we meet with are not embarrassed by their decision. Um, Toward the end of this self-assessment program that I described, we work with the individual to make some decisions about whether or not the what their the future of their driving career holds. Should, should they retire from driving now? Should they continue driving with some type of restrictions? Or are they a good driver and will revisit the issue in a year? But for the drivers that retire from driving on the spot during this session, which, by the way, is two-thirds of them, mm-hmm. for those individuals, they end up, the program is put to them in such a way that they end up making that decision on their own, just like Evelyn did. Evelyn was the one that said, um, before it, before anything else had to happen, Evelyn said, I probably need to retire from driving. And that's how this program is designed, is to help individuals make those proper decisions. But the point is, when they walk out of that session, remember, Evelyn is a perfect example of this, too. Uh, she came in kicking and screaming, so to speak. But after our three hours together, uh, two things have happened. One, Evelyn has given up driving, and two... She is just proud as punch because she made the decision. It wasn't imposed on her by her daughter, who in Evelyn's case is who set this self-assessment up with. It wasn't imposed on her by the police or by the court system or by a physician or by other children. It was her decision. So when Evelyn walked out of the room that day, and she's so indicative of so many others that we've met with, she held her head just just uh, proud as punch because she knew she made the right decision. And she felt very good about it. That's wonderful. It's it's got to be very empowering. Um, but again, to, it's too bad that we have to go through the process to empower someone 
Um, but I'm so glad that you're out there doing that for people. Uh, that's that's absolutely wonderful. Now we also know, you know, that older um, older adults they they have driving health concerns that can be really complex and often, you know, change quickly. Can you share some of the major risk factors that can affect an older person's ability to drive safely? particularly those that um, may be suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia. Absolutely, Lori. Well, we have a workbook. It's, it's titled The Workbook for Older Drivers and Their Families. But uh, the workbook measures um, a certain amount, about uh, six or seven or so dimensions is what we call them in the book. But one is the issue of vision. Uh, the workbook helps the, is designed to be used by the family and the older driver together, but it helps the family um, evaluate this whole notion of, is vision causing my loved one an issue? Um, hearing is another dimension. Uh, memory, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, reflex and reaction times are extremely important, as, as you can imagine. Medication and the effect those medications um, can have on, on, a, on a driver. You know, uh, not, not a well-known fact is a person can be arrested for DUI, DWI, OMVI, whatever your particular state happens to call it what, um, legally. But just for alcohol, drugs of abuse, and prescriptions. So a, an older driver that has never drank in their life and certainly has never um, consumed any type of illegal narcotics can be driving under the influence of medication, believe it or not, and it's the exact same laws as the other two fall into, the uh, drugs of abuse and alcohol. So in theory, a person that uh, is on some type of medication that's having an adverse effect on their driving abilities can be arrested for DUI, DWI, or OMVI, or, or what again, whatever your state, however your state refers to it. But that's all. Those three categories are all generally fall within the same um, DUI law. So it's extremely okay. important that somebody looks at all of these medications um, collectively. Oftentimes, what happens is an older driver, or any of us for that matter go to Dr. A and we're prescribed certain medications. We have another concern and we go to Dr. B and he or she prescribes a different set of medications and the Dr. C and so on and so forth. And nobody is making, or uh, actually uh, drugstores or the pharmacists are trying to do and are doing a real nice job now of um, collecting all this information and making sure that no one or two or more medications are conflicting against each other. But still, you have older drivers that use different pharmacies. So there is no catch-all yet um, to make sure that these the mixing of these medications can, can or cannot be causing you a problem with your driving. But the point is, Lori, that's one of the important issues, and that's one of the dimensions addressed in this program and in the workbook. Uh, strength and flexibility, and then general health issues. Um, diabetes is a, is a real common example of that. Oftentimes, an older driver with diabetes will develop uh, neuropathy in their in their feet, and um, these are the people that drive through the front of the drugstore or drive through the front of the restaurant because they. Yeah, can you tell people what neuropathy free. is? Because not everybody it's knows that word. Just a just a numbness of the feet. Um, I I I am not a physician, of course, yeah. but um, I think it can happen 
in different parts of the body, but I think the feet is the most common or maybe the first um, part of your body that develops this diabetic neuropathy if you're going to get it. I, ju- I did a self-assessment recently where everything seemed to be going along fine with this gentleman, and as part of our interview process, we talked about other health concerns, like I just mentioned, and he said, yes, he was a diabetic, and I asked him, do you think that has any effect on your driving, and you know what, uh, how do you know when it's flaring up? And uh, he says, he his response is, I have absolutely no feeling of my feet whatsoever. He said, you could drop a concrete block on my foot right now, and I wouldn't even know it. So you can oh imagine, God. yes, you can imagine um, that person having some problems um, pr- properly braking or properly accelerating if they have absolutely no feeling whatsoever in their feet, especially the bottom of it. So that certainly wow. was an issue, and, and that that is, uh, in ten words or less, what neuropathy is. Um, but the memory, if we can, I'd like to talk for just a moment about the memory. I think Please. memory is often, oftentimes overlooked when we talk about older drivers and driving skills. And in my opinion, memory is, at the very least, just as important as all of these other dimensions I mentioned. And I'll tell you why. One is, obviously, if the individual gets confused because they've got some cognitive decline, that can result in all sorts of problems. But two is, Lori, we've we've all seen on the news where a gentleman leaves uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota for a loaf of bread and they find him four or five days later in Boise, Idaho or Tampa, Florida. Because because of memory concerns. Now imagine, as he is driving through some of these big cities, he realizes he's lost, and at 2 a.m., because he's lost all sense of time or direction, at 2 a.m. he walks into a gas station somewhere in some horrible part of town with his walker and his wallet half hanging out of his back pocket, and he walks in and asks for directions. You know, he's got uh, he's got crime, crime victim written all over his shirt. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of hazards there that can be a result of poor memory. There was, uh, a year ago, there was a story up in northeast Pennsylvania, and the, the headline in the uh, Washington Post newspaper was, Elderly Couple Found Frozen to Death After Drive. Okay. And what happened was, uh, this husband and wife, uh, it's a long story, and I'll, I'll cut through most of that, but they actually, their family had imposed certain driving restrictions on them because they knew there were some concerns about their memory and some other physical concerns. But one of the places this elderly couple was allowed to drive to, so to speak, was their daughter's house, which I think was 24 miles from where they lived. And they made the trip a million times and were comfortable with it. So this was on one of the safe routes, so to speak. Well, they got lost after visiting with the daughter and headed back home. And this was on a Friday. And... uh, lost to the point that no one could find them. And I believe it was Tuesday morning, uh, a passerby found a, discovered a car out in the field that didn't look exactly right. It wouldn't. And uh, found that it it was this elderly couple. One or the other of them had gone, uh, they believe this happened at night, they got confused and turned off the road into this field and, and got stuck. It was a farm field. And then one or the other of them went walking for help and uh, didn't return in a fair amount of time. So the other then thought they would go looking for the first, 
and uh, they found them 30 yards apart, frozen to death in this field. But the oh. point, Lori, is that this is all, this was a memory issue is what led to their demise. And that's why I think memory, um, you know, for Alzheimer's and, and dementia uh, patients is extremely critical in driving. And a part of our a big part of our self-assessment program is geared toward the memory concerns, almost more than some of the physical issues. Can you um, can you tell us about your presentations? You've been you've referenced the workbooks and stuff. Can people get those as individuals, or do they need to come to a presentation? How does that work? Because it just sounds like you've got some great tools. Lori, they can, the workbook can be purchased um, on the internet through the keepingussafe.org website. Uh, okay. The workbook typically retails for $27.99. If anyone's interested in purchasing one to, today, if they just enter the coupon code MATT, M -A -T -T, um, okay. which is my name, that'll bring their cost down to $20. So if anyone's interested and does want to purchase a workbook, if they enter the coupon code MAT, that'll save them seven dollars and ninety-nine cents off the cost of the workbook. The uh, other programs we have, Lori, are the two presentations. Uh, I mentioned one was a safe drive through the aging process, and that is for older drivers. The other one is just an hour-long presentation, and it is titled "Adults with Aging Parent Drivers." And you can imagine who that's for. It's for adults with aging parent drivers. And I thought these titles up myself for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another, we have a, uh, a couple of continuing education programs for nurses and social workers and other professionals that might come in contact with this issue. Uh, we have our self-assessment program, which I described. That's the one-on-one uh, -on -one personalized session. And then the next thing, I, the last thing I want to mention as far as what we have to offer is we now have, it, when I started this program, it uh, took off almost immediately. I, there, I guess there was a greater demand for this than I realized. And I was getting phone calls from all over the country. Can you come to San Antonio and meet with my father next Tuesday? Well, being in Cleveland, Ohio, I, yeah, the answer is yes, I can, but the other answer is that's um, not really very cost-efficient for either one of us. So what Keeping Us Safe has started doing now is training um, individuals in this program. And, and my goal is, the goal of Keeping Us Safe is to have a whole army of these individuals across the country that are available in every community. So if you have an issue with your mother and you would like to her to participate in this three-hour self-assessment program, you'll be able to call your local Beyond Driving with Dignity certified professional, and then that person will will come and meet with your with your loved one and try to put some resolve to this issue. So, uh, for the listeners, if if anyone a is interested in a self-assessment for their loved one, um, please go to our website and. Uh, follow those instructions to try to get one set up. But B, if you are a professional or a person that thinks you have some skills that would be valuable to families and older drivers and you'd like to attend this training, um, please visit our website there. We've got a real nice online brochure of it, too. 
So when you say, um, you know, your vision, they would actually come out and kind of do a one-on-one -on -one assessment at their house or and, and kind of walk them through this this process? Is that is that yes. your vision? Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, we, Lori, we're, we're careful not to call it an assessment because the certification program does not train people to be driving assessors. It trains them okay. to facilitate this self-assessment with the older driver, and it puts the older driver and their family in a position to make their own decisions. Okay. okay. Void of any of the family's opinion and speculation and emotion like we talked about earlier. Okay. And well, I, and, and I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That's where the name of the program comes from. It's the self-assessment program for older drivers. Okay. Well, and that, that makes sense um, to be able to do that. I'd love to, uh, you know, if we have any listeners out there that have any questions, um, please type into the chat box if you'd like or call into our number at 714 That's 714-364-4757 if you are struggling with a situation and maybe looking for some guidance or maybe you have a story to share. We would we would love an opportunity to hear that uh, from you as well. Matt, can you do you have any other stories that you could share about um, older adults who have really kind of turned um, things around in making a smooth decision to retire from driving? Does anybody else I come did. to mind? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I could talk for hours about some of the successes, Lori, but I did a, a uh, I want to talk, mention an innovative idea that the family had. Was, I met with a older driver, a gentleman in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, actually, and uh, he made the decision, as tough as it was for him, to retire from driving. Um, he loved to drive, and I hear that a lot. It's a, a common theme. But one of the things his family did, they had two cars. It was just the... the uh, Mother and father lived together, and they were in their 80s. They each had their own car. But one of the he loved cars, and he loved to drive, like I mentioned. But one of the things they did was, once he made this decision to retire from driving, to help ease that, um, his wife and his, and his children were involved, I think, to some extent, but he'd always wanted a Corvette. So they went out and actually purchased, once he sold his vehicle, they used that money and other monies, of course, and purchased a Corvette. And, of course, the wife was the only one allowed to drive it. He wasn't. But he took uh, such joy in being able to go for rides in this in this new vehicle. It was a vehicle, he, like I said, he dreamed about having someday. And believe it or not, he had absolutely no problem whatsoever uh, being in it as a passenger. It brought him a tremendous amount of enjoyment. So that was a nice story. I want to talk again now, one more quick story about the importance of facts. I met with a gentleman, elderly gentleman, who was a retired, extremely successful business person. He was very well educated. Um, when I got to the house, he wanted to, as a way of breaking the ice, he took me upstairs and showed me photographs of hanging on the wall of him and two different presidents of the United States of America. So that's how... Um, affluent this gentleman was and how successful he had been. But uh, we went out and did the driving exercise part of the self-assessment program, and uh, everything is set up to error in this individual's favor. 
for example, he's driving his car. Um, I let I generally let them pick where we're going to drive to. Uh, a couple of places that are close that he or she drives to the most often is usually what we do. Now, when we pulled out of the driveway, he'd asked me three times as we went down the driveway, now, where do you want me to go to? So I knew this wasn't going to go extremely well, again, because of the memory issues. And uh, mm-hmm. once he turned uh, turned out of the driveway, he had absolutely no idea where he was driving to. But it was a beautiful day. And one of the things he did was turn on these windshield wipers as we're driving down the road. Now, uh, picture this. It's a nice day. Nothing had landed on our window. He did not use the uh, windshield washer fluid. He just turned these wipers on, and we drove for several miles now with the dry wipers trucking back and forth across the dry windshield. And finally, um, again, for no apparent reason, he reached down and turned them off. But his driving was so horrendous. He's one of the few people that I've ever asked to just pull over, and we're going to switch drivers, and I'll end up driving us back to your house. Because uh-huh. he had no idea where he was anyhow. But on the drive back, he realized that this was a change in, in our plans. He did remember that he was to be driving and that we were going to go to someplace and that we were going to eventually drive back home and, and finish our session. So he had, there was a long silence, and he asked me, what, what has made you change your mind and why are you driving? And I went through this whole list of things. Um, the windshield washes is just one of them. And, you know, that was wasn't really driving related, but it was indicative that there might be some other issues here. But uh, I told him all these things he had done wrong with his driving, and again, there was a long silence, and his very words were, well then, maybe I shouldn't be driving. And he said, nobody ever told me what I was doing wrong. He said, all I've heard from my wife and my son is, Dad, you're a bad driver. Honey, you need to quit driving. Let me drive. You scare me when you drive. But he had never been presented with any of the facts. So having oh. those facts, he, he retired from driving immediately. We walked, we walked back into the house. He gave his wife the uh, keys and said, I'm, not, I'm never going to drive again. It was that simple to him. Um, but, that, again, that's a nice story about the facts. And one thing I want to add, this gentleman still had his sense of humor. And uh, as we were walking into the house, he said, before we go in, can I ask you one last question? I said, of course. He said, what about my flying? (laughs) (laughs) Which which, Uh, uh, I really appreciated, I think, more than he did even. But it was a nice laugh. But that's a nice uh, nice story of success, that the individual just had to be shown the facts. And then then there had been a tremendous amount of animosity between him and his wife and him and his son over this whole driving issue. And that's why um, they ended up calling keeping us safe was to try to resolve some of that. But that animosity was lifted. He was fine now with retiring from driving because he had been presented with the facts. Well, and I think it's amazing um, what can transpire in a positive format when you pull out of the family dynamics. Again, when I um, specialized in real estate and senior housing, I could say things that family family has said for years. Um, And really in the same light, but it was received differently because of the history. And so I think looking at it big picture, you know, how are they perceiving the message? Um, And what is the history? Because, you know, somebody could have from the family maybe have given them the facts too, 
and it still would have been taken, you know, taken um, sure. on or perceived that you're trying to tell me what to do, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm losing my independence, and you know, the whole rollerball starts happening. But when an outside party comes in, and you know, there just aren't the dynamics. The conversation, I think, takes a whole different twist in turn. And again, it's you're coming from um, a standpoint of safety and empowerment for for all in terms of what is best. And that can be seen so much more clearly um, with an outside party than it can a family or friend, I think, many times. Again, and it all depends on, on relationships there. But that's a that's a great, great story. Do you have another one you want to share with us? Otherwise, um, I just I love your stories. I think they're all powerful, and they've each had just a little bit of a different twist. And I'm a I'm a firm believer in the power of story to help you know well, connect the dots with people. Lori, so let me tell one, one more one more quick okay. story. Um, there was a an older gentleman in Tampa, Florida, who he and his wife would every Sunday they would leave home. They would drive to church, and then they would leave church and drive to their favorite restaurant, and then they'd drive back home. On this particular Sunday, they left home, drove to church, drove to their favorite restaurant, parked in front or attempted to park in front, drove up over the parking blocks, and drove their car completely 100% into the restaurant. Um, Mm -hmm. Nine people were taken to the hospital. Two were in an extremely critical condition. Fortunately, they ended up living. But the family was um, wanting to wanting to do something, um, even though this was after the fact. So they called me and had me go down to Tampa, Florida, and do one of these self-assessment sessions with with their father. And the father said, again, it was just him and I at the kitchen table because that's how these sessions are done. But the father says, and he was very agitated that he was having to go through this. He said, how many, he's asking me, how many accidents have you had? And I'm thinking, well, I had that one, I had this one, I had that (laughs) other one. And And he said, that's exactly my point. He said, here you are coming from Cleveland, Ohio. You're half my age, and you've had twice as many accidents. You know, who do you think you are to tell me that I need to give up or retire from driving? So in his mind, he was convinced that he was right, and that was a valid argument for him. He went on, because of dementia, he went on to add that, frankly, if I do the exact same thing next Sunday, I'm still a better driver than you are or than most of the people out here on the road are. Wow. So the point here is for the families not to wait until something happens. Because this was an extreme situation. He drove his car into a restaurant. But even if you wait until something minor happens, your father backs over the mailbox, you're going to have to deal with that argument where this is, you know, imagine your parent telling you, well, honey, this is my first accident. I I remember when you you ran over this and you bumped into the garage and you did that. You know, you've got really no business telling me that I, I should be allowed to drive so the family needs to start these conversations today, Lori, about a driving retirement or or the day that a driving retirement might be appropriate and not wait That's... until some, something happens, even if it is minor. Okay, and it looks like we've got a caller on the line. So let me 
pulled them in. They're a 612 number, so they're in my neighborhood in Minnesota. Hello. How are you doing today? Hello? Can you hear us? I've got you live from a 612 number. All you have to do is speak into the phone. Maybe they've got us muted. Well, apparently they're not there right now, so not quite sure what happened. Uh, we'll maybe try them back again a little bit later. Sure. So, but they uh, maybe they're just listening and didn't have a question and pushed one by accident or something too. Sure. Well, I think your work is absolutely fascinating. And have you approached any, like, organizations in the state in terms of getting getting your programs up and running or um, in doing any types of collaboration? Or how do you how do you see moving forward with this? So you know, what can we do here, um, you know, for myself and for listeners to, to help you expand your program? Well, we um, two things. Like I mentioned, Lori, that uh, brochure about the program is on our website at keepingussafe.org. Um, and we have a schedule set up for up through the end of the second quarter of this year of where our training sessions are going to be held. The next, mm-hmm. three that, next three cities to host this session will be Los Angeles, um, uh-huh. Tampa, and then Seattle. But I believe Minneapolis is on the... Uh, list for the second quarter of this year. I, I don't have that schedule in front of me and I apologize for that. But let me say this too. In the brochure it talks about our fast track enrollment program where if our city, if one of the cities that we have already scheduled to go to is not a city that you live in, um, the fast track program will facilitate that and it will allow the, the uh, training day to be brought to your local community wherever in the country that might be. And there's some certain criteria that have to be met, but that's very easy to do. So if you are interested in becoming a certified Beyond Driving with Dignity professional, um, please, please, please go to the brochure and review it and see if, number one, we're coming to your city anyhow, naturally, because of the schedule, or number two, if this fast-track enrollment program might be more appropriate for you. Okay. And do you do any online training at all, Matt? We have no online training, Lori, and I will tell you why. Um, it's very important to me that these be done in person, mm-hmm. and I don't want to—I don't want to lose that personal touch by doing it via online training. I know that would be much more efficient for everybody, and frankly, I would probably make more money as a business owner if it were available that way. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose the personal contact with the Beyond Driving with Dignity professionals that we train. Remember, these people are going into the homes of older adults. And um, they're they're required, number one, to submit to a background check, a criminal background check, and a driver's license background check. But number two, it's important for me personally to have met and spent a day with each one of these individuals. Well, and I I totally understand that, that, because this is a really intimate, personal decision. Um, that needs to be made, and um, so I, I can I can totally totally understand the rationale um, behind sure. that importance of that because they have to feel uh, people have to be able to feel safe to ask and respond to questions honestly. I mean, if you're really going to get to the crux of you know what to do next and how to do it, 
And you, um, and then I would imagine too. I mean, if you're going in the car and actually, you know, observing them driving, you can't do that via the internet by any any stretch. Of no, uh, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, the the closest we come to any any type of online training is not online training, but it is this workbook, which um, you know is it was it was written for the family that thinks they can handle this issue on the on their own, but they would like some additional supports and some educational material. Uh, the workbook is Lori is loaded with exercises, both for the older driver and for the family to help. Uh, one of the chapters is what are the family's um, concerns or apprehensions about talking to their mother or their father about this issue. And it forces them to put down on paper, why am I slow to talk to my mom about giving up driving? What types of stumbling blocks do I have um, addressing this issue with my mother? And then a similar chapter is for the older driver. Why am I reluctant to give up driving? You know, what types of stumbling blocks do I have? And and the whole the gist of the workbook is to remove the family's opinion, speculation, and emotion from this decision making process. So the whole workbook is laid out that way. And on page seventy nine of the workbook, at the end of the day, so to speak, is just a simple checklist where these dimensions we talked about, the vision, the hearing, the memory, so on and so forth actually are boiled down to or reduced to a simple checklist where all of the exercises we've done up to this point are now plugged into this checklist. So the family has a more objective way to make their decisions as, as does the older driver. Mm-hmm. I, really, um, I really suggest the workbook to the family that thinks they can do this on their own. The workbook is an excellent tool to help you do that, and I wish you all the successes in the world doing that. That's why it was written. If you have purchased a workbook and you either start through it or you realize for whatever reason this workbook isn't going to work for me, we've already tried this with my mom, we've done this, we've done that, then is when you want to call one of our Beyond Driving with Dignity Professionals that can come to your mother's house and meet with her one-on-one as we've described many times here. But yeah. but know that if you purchase the workbook, you're not going to have to pay for both. If you purchase the workbook and you decide it's not for you, we're giving your money back for the workbook. Okay. So, um, yeah, this, is, this isn't any type of sales scam or anything like that to sell you both products. If the workbook didn't, you bought the workbook, you didn't do what you wanted it to do, and you need a BDD professional to come in and help you, we're giving you the money back for the workbook. Okay. Wonderful. And how do how do people contact you? Um, what is the best way? Um, is it to go to the website or to shoot you an email, or what would you prefer? Lori, the, the website has a, uh, under the Contact Us tab, a way to send a, uh, an email, like you said, or it's also got the uh, toll-free number, which I can give right now if you don't mind. It's okay. 877-907-8841 is the toll-free number, 877-907-8841. And the website address, again, is keepingussafe.org. Okay, wonderful. Well, I thank you so so much for your time today. This has been um, just really a joy to um, be 
to hear the conversation and um, and look at it in a different light in terms of how to address this issue because it is it is an issue and and to me an issue is something that's uncomfortable and you have found a way to make it um, comfortable and so it's at least tolerable. <laughs> yep. Well, and you know it's. It's not something always that changes overnight. This can be a, a thought process too for people. I would imagine, um, you know, for some, it, you know, they may go in kicking and screaming and fighting, and and then have some time to think about the facts and right. really why the facts have been brought to their attention. And it's, it's exactly out of love. Right. Um, it's it's not about trying to be in control of another person. It's really about love and concern and safety. And if that message can come out first, I think it can make a huge difference in terms of how it's perceived by the person receiving um, the information. So, again, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Is there anything else you want to um, let our listeners know ahead of time? Um, Why don't you mention that, that code one more time for the discount? That they can get the code, yes, to purchase. To, thank you for to purchase the workbook. Simply go to the keepingupsafe.org website, and right in the center of the front page, you'll see a, an area for about the workbook. Click on that, and it will take you to the uh, workbook page. If you the re, the typical the retail price of the workbook is twenty seven dollars and ninety nine cents. If you want to buy one today, if you enter the coupon code MATT M A T T. Um, it will reduce that price then to $20, which is uh, savings of $7.99. And let me add, too, that there are some free downloads available on through the website. One is um, titled An Invitation to Help, and it is for a retiring older driver that um, could use some help. Let, you remember the story about Avalon where people, um, according to her, came out of the woodwork to help her. But this is a form that the older driver can download and send out to his or her friends or contacts or post on the uh, bulletin board at church or in any type of community groups. Um, but it, in essence, Lori, it says, I am retiring from driving. And I, mm-hmm. on occasion, um, I could probably use some transportation help. If you are interested in helping me with that and might have some availability from time to time, please call me and, and uh Tell me how you can help. Uh, the other one is titled the Family Driving Agreement, and it's just that. It's a form for the older driver and the family to use together where the older driver um, that is still okay to drive can go ahead and declare who he or she will trust when that person comes to them and says, maybe it's time now to retire from driving. So it still gives them some um some control over how they actually retire from driving because this form helps hold that individual accountable. And they will say, yes, indeed. I did say that when my brother Bob talked to me about giving up driving that I would listen to him. And my brother Bob has just told me I need to give up driving, so I'm going to listen to him and I retire from driving effective right now. So the form is not effective for every family, Lori, but it certainly is a very nice tool for certain families. Great. Well, I think it's uh, just leaps and bounds um, in terms of what I what I've seen out there to assist people with this type of issue. And I hear people talking about this all the time. 
and um, you know, getting yourself educated on this process even before you you think you need it would be a wonderful thing. Have churches embraced this at all? I mean, I, I think that that would be a a great um, place or in community centers. I didn't hear the question, Lori. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just wondering if you've approached um, or been approached by churches or community centers to get involved to be trainers on this. I think that they would just be such a great um, asset, and yes, um, that, you know, to the groups. Absolutely, and uh, kind of to mimic um, Starbucks. I, in a perfect world, for keeping us safe, we'd like to have one of these Beyond Driving with Dignity professionals on every corner, so to speak. And I don't say that from a business perspective. I say that because that's the goal of this program, is to make this readily available and affordable to every family in America so that yep. so that we don't have to have any more of these occasions where uh, Mr. Jones runs through the drugstore or... Uh, we had out west, right, the incident where the gentleman or, or the ladies uh, drove through the group of people uh, ten, or, 10 or so years ago. But those stories happen every single day. Yep. In Marietta, Georgia, there was an older lady that should not have been driving, uh, got confused when she was at a bus stop, drove around the bus stop, and ran over a five-year-old girl. Now, this 83-year-old lady has since been sentenced to three years in prison. Uh, nobody, wa- nobody, Lori wants their grand. Typically, nobody wants their grandmother to have to go to prison for the next few months. No. So, and this program, like you said, is proactive and it's designed to keep all of that from happening in the first place. Well, please keep me posted um, I, because I would love to, you know, help promote you any way that I can. I think it's an absolutely fantastic program. And for sure, let me know when you're coming to uh, Minnesota because maybe we can actually have a cup of coffee or something. It would be nice to meet you. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I would love to be able to help promote uh, what you're doing in any any fashion that I can because I, I think it's a greatly needed out there and I think you're doing a wonderful job. And I, I thank you very much for all your work and hard effort on it. So um, with that, I want to... A wonderful day, and thank you so much for taking this hour with us and sending your knowledge and experience and um, sharing with us. And most of all, um, thank you for you know changing careers and doing what you're doing today because uh, it, it, it's very needed. Thank so you very much, Lauren. Thank you again for having me. Great. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. I just want to, again, thank everyone who's listening today uh, for doing so. And if you like the program, please uh, share it on Facebook and tweet and Twitter and do all those fun social media things for us. You can actually email the episode to a friend or coworker if you would like as well. All those buttons are easily accessible right on the episode page there. Our next show is coming up. We have one on the 16th, which will be with Carrie Lusick. And she's the author of A Baker's Dozen, Life Lessons from A Baker's Dozen. Um, her mother uh, had dementia. And then we will have Derek with Medify On, which is a really interesting company and has some unique services to be able to offer people. And that will be, Derek will be with us on the 23rd. And then on the 27th, 
I'm going to have a couple of singer-songwriters on. This is a dynamite song called I Will Remind You. It's just absolutely beautiful. And then on the 28th of February, I'll have Dr. Morris on, and he will be talking about Alzheimer's clinical trials and biomarkers. What are they? And, and really, how do you get involved in a clinical trial, and, and what's the benefit to that? And then as we roll into March on the 9th, uh, Catherine Pierce and Mary Hogan will be with us, and we're going to talk that day on dementia in the intellectually uh, disabled. So we've got some fun programs coming up. If you think you might have a service, a product, or a tool that could help others, or maybe you have experience in this area that you think is uh, that needs to be told, um, please reach out to me because I'm always looking for guests. And again, I would love to hear your story. You can reach me through the radio show, or you can just go to the resource website, www.alzheimerspeaks.com, and you can email me from there. So with this, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. Well, hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.